I shall ne'er forget the day when Jesus saved me, nor how he shed his blood for all my sin. I shall ne'er forget what his own life he gave me, and now he dwells himself as God within. Oh, I can never comprehend his gracious mercy, nor can I e'er forget the love that he bestows. I can only glory in his wondrous presence and revel in abundant grace and love he shows. I shall ne'er forget the day when Jesus saved me, as on the cross my sins he did atone. I shall ne'er forget was his own peace he gave me, and now he walks with me, I'm not alone. Oh, I can never comprehend his gracious mercy, nor can I e'er forget the love that he bestows. I can only glory in his wondrous presence and revel in abundant grace and love he shows. I shall ne'er forget the day when Jesus saved me, when he redeemed my sinful blighted soul. I shall ne'er forget was his own joy he gave me, and now, O oh, blessed truth, I am made whole. Oh, I can never comprehend his gracious mercy, nor can I e'er forget the love that he bestows. I can only glory in his wondrous presence and revel in abundant grace and love he Luke chapter 4, I'm going to begin at verse 31, and I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter. And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? With authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he rose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. 
by the way, this is how we know Peter was not the first pope. He was not celibate. He was married. Does no man be married? You know. I mean, if 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 he had a what? If he had a mother-in-law, surely he'd have a wife. Anyway, they besought him for her, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also come out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into the desert place, and the people sought him, and came unto him, and stayed him, that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. I just titled this message, The Devils Believe. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this opportunity and privilege to ours to open your word. I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts through his word today. I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ be magnified and lifted up and might we be drawn to him. Our Lord, we might be examine our hearts before you and realize and come to a true understanding of who you are and why you came. Father, I pray that you would just, just work in our hearts. Thank you and praise you for all this. You we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are many different ideas, beliefs, thank you, today as to what or who Jesus Christ really is. Some say he was a good teacher who went about doing good. And that's it. Others, he was a great prophet. Islam believes he was one of the great prophets. Still others deny that Jesus claimed to be God. Bart Ehrman, who is professor of New Testament and early Christianity at UNC Chapel Hill. Of course, that raises real red flags right there. You know, can anything good thing come out of Chapel Hill? Um, anyway, in an interview on NPR, National Public Radio, Funded by our tax dollars. Don't know where the ACLU was with all this, but anyway. But they allow guys like this on there. Anyway, he said this, and I quote, During his lifetime, Jesus himself did not call himself God and didn't consider himself God. And none of his disciples had any inkling at all that he was God. You do find Jesus calling himself God in the, or the last gospel. I thought he just said that God didn't call him, Jesus didn't call himself God. And then he says that Jesus called himself God in the last gospel, which would be John's. Okay. Jesus said things like, before Abraham was, I am. And I and the Father are one. And if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. These are all statements you find only in the gospel of John. And that's striking because we have earlier gospels and we have the writings of Paul. And in none of them is there any indication that Jesus said such things. Unquote. Now, to believe that and to think that, if you read a Bible, you have to be willfully ignorant. You know, Paul said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, 
God was manifest in the flesh. Not going to be any plainer than that. Anyway, lots of fools in the world. Others say he became a God at some point. His baptism or his resurrection, for example. By the way, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that he became a God. Their Bible, Jehovah's Witnesses Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, and the word God there is a small g. So they don't believe, they don't believe that Jesus is Jehovah God. But when Jesus said, I am, what was he saying? I am Jehovah God. So they believe he became a God. However, you know, you know, however, we can see from the testimony of Scripture, the devils believed him to be who Peter declared him to be. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we look at this passage of Scripture this morning. I again asked you, the devils believe to you. Notice I want to notice I have three main points and then some 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 sub points. First of all, they recognized him as Jesus of Nazareth. So notice in verse 34 it says that they said, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? You know, in other words, as as we think about that, that he they called him Jesus of Nazareth, they believed that he was a human being. And he was a human being. He became a human being. Uh, you know, Jesus, Nazareth, that was where he grew up. That was his hometown. So when they referred to him as Jesus of Nazareth, that they referred to him as coming from Nazareth, that's where he grew up. That was his hometown. Because he was now living in Capernaum. He left Nazareth. In fact, in Matthew 4.13, it says, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. And Matthew 9.1 says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And, of course, the context tells, would tell you there that, that he's coming into Capernaum. He called that his own city. Uh, so when the demon says, This is Jesus of Nazareth, he's referring to his growing up years, as a child, as a youth, as a young man, as a carpenter. That he was a human being. But as we think about it, you know, him being, he, yes, he was a human being. That, you know, that he was a child that never disobeyed, or as we said Thursday night, never snuffed at his parents. You know, that attitude. He never pitched a temper tantrum. Or pitched a fit were powdered with a poochy lip. He was always honest. Never tried to cheat. Always acted in kindness. I want to say, you know, I don't know if I could have grown up with a guy like that or not. I had four brothers and six sisters, you know, and one in the, one in the family like that, but it might have been hard to deal with. But anyway, uh, you know, he never did any of those things. He was the perfect child. He was the perfect teenager. He was the perfect young man. He was perfect in every way. And yet a man. Philippians 2.7 say, says that he was made in the likeness of men. Yeah, he grew tired. John 4.6 says that he was wearied with the journey and sat on the well, on Jacob's well there at Samaria. And, and in in uh, Luke 4.2 it says he was hungered. John 11.35 says he wept. You know, Hebrews 2, 16 through 18 says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. 
Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, that is to help or, or undertake for them that are tempted. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He understands our infirmities because he was a man. He still is a man. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So when these, these demons said, We know who thou art. Thou art Jesus of Nazareth. They knew. He was a man, the perfect man. Psalm 89, verse 19 says, Then thou spakest in a vision to thy holy one, and sayest, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. Now, this refer there's reference here to David, but it's obvious that he's speaking beyond David to the son of David, the greater son of David. For, for verse 27 in that same passage says, Also I will make him my firstborn. Firstborn speaks of authority, of power. And it says, I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. So, yes, he was the man. He is the Jesus of Nazareth, but he is also, secondly, they, they realized that he was the Holy one of God. Number two, he was the Holy One of God. Notice here again in verse 34 it says, And saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. <coughs> Excuse me. In Luke chapter 1, verse 49, it says, For he that is mighty hath done great things to me great things. And holy is his name. See, God is, they, these demons understood that not only was this the man from Nazareth, the perfect man, but this is the holy one. This is the God man. This is God in the flesh. And he is holy. Yeah, God is holy. Isaiah 6, 3, and one cried another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 12 to 13. And art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one. And the word holy there is capitalized. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> holy one. In Hebrews 7 26, a direct reference to the Lord Jesus Christ says, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless. And the word harmless there means without guilt or without guile so he is holy he's without guilt he's without guile he is undefiled separate from sinners made higher than the heavens see he's that holy one he is God in Exodus chapter 3 remember when Moses the Lord called Moses to go back and lead his people out of Israel and, and Moses said who do I say sent me 
And the Lord said this, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. I am. I'm the self-sufficient one. I'm Jehovah. You know, Jesus uses that same term. In John chapter 8, when he's speaking to the Pharisees, he says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16, I already quoted it, Without great controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Yes, Bart Ehrman is willfully ignorant. You see, this one that they, that they were come face to face with, they knew he was the Holy One of God. Now, Isaiah 57 and 15 says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You know, though he is holy, he says, yet he dwells, with him of a contrite and humble spirit. Yes, though God is perfect and God is holy, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, uh, guilt or guile or, or, or any defilement in him, yet he can dwell with those who are very humble and contrite. That word contrite means broken and beaten down, bruised. He can dwell with him that is of a contrite heart. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's what that means, humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, if you will humble yourself in your, from your pride, your sin, your rebellion against God, and repent and turn from your sin, the Holy One of God, the Holy Blood of the Everlasting Covenant, will wash away your sin. And you can have the righteousness of God in Him, and you can dwell or fellowship with that Holy One of God. So he is the Holy One. But he's also the Almighty God. Notice again verse 34 says, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Notice this phrase. Art thou come to destroy us? You see, these demons knew that he had the power destroy them. You remember when the when uh, was it the maniac of Gardia and there were, there were many, demon, many demons that said there was legions of demons in him. And they, the demons asked him not to cast them out into the deep. Now that's a reference to casting me out into a part of hell where they would be confined for all eternity. And they said, don't, they're going to be cast there one day. But, said, but they asked him not to be cast out into the deep. And so he cast him into a herd of swine. You see, these demons understood who they, they were dealing with, Almighty God here. Yes, though he was a man with flesh like you and I have, flesh and bone like you and I have, yet he was God, the Almighty God. You know, the Bible makes reference to this over and over again. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 says, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, 
and he gave them power over unclean spirits. He had power to give the disciples power to, to be able to cast out demons. Mark 4.41 says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. See, he's God of creation. He, he's king over creation. 1 Timothy 6.15 Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. That word potentate means one with royal authority. That's a that's a name the Pope likes to take. That's blasphemous. Anyway, he's the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. See, he is the only one with the real royal authority. He is the rock that Daniel referred to, cut out of the mountain without hands, that will destroy all the kingdoms of the world. One day. Maybe soon. Go to Revelation chapter 1. If you want to stump a Jehovah's Witness, this is where you take them. Because you see, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that he is the Almighty, that he is Jehovah God. He's a God, but he's inferior to God the Father is what they believe. But our Bible teaches that, as Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Now he submitted himself to the Father, and he submitted himself to the work of the Holy Spirit to do the work of redemption. Well, he created the world. The God had created the world. And it created, the God had created man. Do you ever think about the fact it says, let us make man in our image? It's a plural term. Speaking of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so they are equal in power and in glory and in attributes, but he submitted himself for the purpose of redemption. But notice here in John chapter, or Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, it says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto our God and to his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, present tense, which was, past tense, and which is to come, future tense. Now, how, who does that have to be? It can't be any other than Jesus Christ. But notice what it calls him, the Almighty. I had the opportunity one time to ask Jehovah's Witness about that. He said, I have to go look in my, some, some of my books. I still haven't got an answer. Because I never will. Because there is no answer. He is the Almighty. He is Jehovah God. He's the Almighty One. Verse 18 again says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. 
and have the keys of hell and of death. He is all power. When, when Jesus said all power is given unto me, Matthew 28, he meant all power. He has the keys of death and hell. He's the almighty one. Go to chapter 19. Chapter 19. <laughs> Excuse me. Verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great horror which did corrupt the earth with fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And the voice came out from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God is omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called in the marriage supper of the Lamb. For he say, and he saith unto me, These say are the true sayings of God. And I felt as we feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall ruin them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, this is Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. He is the King of Kings, and He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Almighty One. You know, Peter was right when Peter said, And we believe and are sure that Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living He's the son of the living God. He was God in flesh. He is the almighty God. You Have you accepted him as your king? As your Lord? As your master? You know, Luke, 4, 4, or Luke 6, 46 says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? In Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You know, the will of a Father is you submit to the Son. You repent of your sin and receive the Son as your Savior and as your Lord. That's the will of the Father. See, these, dem these demons recognize him as Jesus of Nazareth, the man, the perfect man. They also recognize him as God. But they also recognized him as the Christ. Now, in verse 41, 
says, And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. Christ, the Son of God. The word Christ is a Greek word for the word Hebrew word Messiah. It means anointed one. I read to you a while ago that, that uh, there would be one chosen out of the people and he would be anointed. And this was a reference to Christ. Way of Life Encyclopedia of the Bible Christianity, describing this word Messiah, it says, quote, a prophetic name for Jesus, the same as Christ. Messiah is the Hebrew word for anointed one. Christ is the Greek word. Messiah refers to the fact that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God and is the one chosen by God to be Lord and Savior. So when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, he was saying, You're the one that God the Father chose to be the Savior and Lord of mankind. You're the chosen one. And these demons knew he was that one. They knew it. Psalm 2, verse 1 and 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying. Isaiah 42, 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect. The word elect means chosen. And whom my soul delighteth. I put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And again, Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. The reason people won't recognize Jesus as the Christ, and they're ignorant of it, is because they're arrogant against God. John 1, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, John Hagee has a book out, In Defense of Israel, I think it's called. And he says that, that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. The guy's a liar. He's a liar. John 1, 41. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah." which is being interpreted the Christ. So Messiah and Christ mean the same thing. One's a Hebrew word, one's a Greek word. And John 4, Jesus himself said, in John 4, verse 23 to 26, he says, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So Jesus claimed to be Messiah? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, Jesus Christ is the anointed, the chosen of God the Father to be the Savior of of mankind. And if you reject Jesus Christ, there is no other. 
It's just like God told Cain and Abel to bring a lamb and the fat thereof. There was one sacrifice that was acceptable. One offering was acceptable. If you brought that offering, it was accepted. If you didn't bring that offering, it's not accepted. And if you refuse God's chosen Savior, you'll be rejected as well. So he is the anointed, the chosen of God. He is the Christ. And he was chosen to reach the world. Now notice in verses 42 through 44, it says, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him, that he should not depart from, there, from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. The, the, the phrase, they stayed him. In other words, they tried to keep him in Capernaum. They didn't want him to leave. They tried to keep him at Capernaum. But he said, I must preach to other cities. You know, it, was, it was Jesus' desire and his plan to have the gospel go into all the world. You know, Matthew 9, 36 says, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion upon them, because they fainted and were, were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Isaiah 49, 6 says, And he said, is, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. That means he said, I have to go out of Israel. I will give thee to be a light for the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. And Paul quotes that passage. In Acts 30, 13, 47 says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now, we know from the Bible Jesus never left the land of Israel, his old earthly ministry. The only place he ever went out of the country was in Egypt when he's fleeing from Herod. Joseph and Mary took him to Egypt. And there were only 120 in the upper room waiting for the power of God. But his desire and his design was and is to reach into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's an interesting verse in John 14, 12. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, shall he do also. It's a good indication a person saved if they do the works that Jesus did. Now, it's not talking about the healings. Let me read the rest of the verse. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now, that, when he says greater works there, he's not, he does not mean more sensational. He means greater in magnitude. They did not do greater miracles. None of them rose from the dead. He wasn't talking about greater miracles. No, he was talking about that the works would be greater in magnitude. In other words, they spread all over the world. And think about it. 
on the day of Pentecost. There were Jews from, under, from every nation under heaven, Acts 2.5 says, and Peter preaches the crucified, risen Christ, and more people are saved in one day than all three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. Why? Because Peter was a great pulpiteer. I mean, he could convince the masses. Is that why? No. It is because Jesus, being a man, died. That he being almighty God, death could not hold him. He arose the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. He being holy, harmless, undefiled, the lamb without blemish, could pay the penalty for my sins and yours and for the sins of all mankind. He is the chosen Savior for all mankind, the Messiah, the Christ of God. You see, these things could no longer be denied. These, these Jews on the day of Pentecost were confronted with these many infallible proofs. They could not deny them. They were at a crossroad, you see, and they had to make a choice. You, know, you have to be willfully blind to reject these many infallible proofs we have in the Scripture. That over and over again, archaeology verifies the truths of these things. Historical records never contradict the Bible. You know, you can choose Jesus Christ and have your sin forgiven and receive eternal life, and if you reject God's chosen, you will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You see, Jesus said, you know, they're going to do greater works than me because I go to my Father. These demons recognized him as the man, the perfect man, as the almighty God, and as the Christ, the Messiah, who alone could save from sin. Now, are these demons saved? No. They know all that. They know it all up here. But they've already chosen their course. Their fate is sealed. You and I have a choice. You know, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as he is? Or are you trying to make him fit into your own little box of prideful, preconceived ideas? The reason many are ignorant of the Lord is, again, their arrogance. They're like Pharaoh who said, who's the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? Who's the Lord that I should obey him? Who's the Lord that I should submit to him? Who does he think he is? I have my own way. You see, he will either be your Lord, and that word Lord means master. He'll either be your Lord and Savior, or he will be your judge to execute your final sentence of death and hell because he holds the keys of death and hell.
So what will it be? Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you chosen him, the one chosen by God, to save you from your sins? What will it be? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your soul will be asking, what will he do with me? You see, the devils know. Do you really know him?